I'm Nancy Newkirk with F&N Ranch in Lexington, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the next legislative session is about a month away. It'll be here before we know it. And it looks like agriculture is in pretty good shape heading into this session. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. International news events can certainly affect commodity markets, but should farmers feel an obligation to respond to every headline? I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll get some thoughts from a top grain market analyst. New corn traits for 2024 to battle the Texas corn rootworm, the billion-dollar bug. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. It's autumn in Texas, and that can mean everything from a bright sunny day to a freeze. So please show me John Begno as we talk about gardening in Texas during the autumn. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The next session of the Texas legislature gets underway on January 10th, and things will look a bit different this session thanks to redistricting. But Texas Farm Bureau Associate Legislative Director Billy Howe says agriculture should be in good shape, despite some leadership positions changing. I think it's pretty stable. There were some major uh, chairmanships, such as the State Affairs Committee in the Texas House, where Chairman Chris Patty did not run for re-election, partially due to redistricting, because we did lose three rural seats in the Texas House just because of the population dynamics. So he's not coming back, and that's a major chairmanship that someone is going to get. And there are some other chairmen that that are not coming back that decided to retire, which happens usually in a redistricting year. So there will be some shuffling probably of committee chairmen in the House. But uh, all the folks that we rely upon are very well situated to be in leadership positions during the session and to be able to help ag and, and rural Texas. Howe says the legislators who are friendly to Texas agriculture were all reelected and will be there during the session to support bills that are friendly to agriculture and defeat those bills that seek to hurt Texas farmers and ranchers. USDA's Risk Management Agency is holding a workshop next week in South Texas. RMA Administrator Marsha Bunger says the workshop will address the latest updates and improvements to the whole farm revenue policy and the micro farm policy. 
The roadshow event will have subject matter experts from RMA talking about each of those policies and what they cover, how they cover, um, along with an opportunity for those in attendance, those listening to ask questions and receive answers. The workshop will be held this coming Tuesday, December 6th at the Texas A&M Citrus Center in Westlaco. Specialty crop growers, I'm encouraging urban egg producers. I'm encouraging small operations, diverse operations. Again, it's coming up this Tuesday, December 6, 9.30 a.m. at the Texas A&M Citrus Center in Westlaco. Texas is losing a livestock auction. After 50 years of operation, the Lubbock Stockyards is closing down. The barn started back in 1968, then Tony and Judy Mann bought it in 1983. They're selling the barn and the property, and they say the buyer plans to shut the operation down. International news events can definitely affect the commodity markets, but James Hunt tells us it's important to keep a level head when making grain marketing decisions based on the news. As area wheat farmers analyze the market situation, one factor has been coming into play fairly often lately, and that is, what did Vladimir Putin say today? Putin's words and the war in Ukraine in general can definitely sway wheat prices. But how much should producers let all of that influence their personal decision making? Here's advice from Dr. Mark Welch, grain marketing economist with Texas A&M. I think it's important, given kind of where our price levels are generally, just to assess what do these marketing opportunities mean today? And rather than trying to time or react to what we expect that news event to be tomorrow, which none of us can predict or estimate, what is the price I'm offered today? Is that something that kind of works? Is this something that would provide a level of either a price floor or some kind of margin opportunity or profitability that, you know what, if I got a little bit priced at these levels, you know, that kind of is okay. And if prices go higher from here, that's great. I got plenty more to sell. If prices go lower, you know I got something done. And so I think it's important just to evaluate those on a daily basis rather than responding to just what happens in the news cycle. At the Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show, Dr. Welch was reminding wheat farmers that they still have good marketing opportunities despite a price slump in recent weeks. We're coming from very, very high level of prices. So even if those prices do come down somewhat, uh, we are, are looking at some very profitable and some of the best pricing opportunities we've had in years still currently in these markets. I think that'll hold through this winter. And even as we go into the spring and perhaps summer of next year, uh, even though these prices may be somewhat lower, uh, you don't have to back up very far to realize these are still some really good prices across the grain markets. Once again, that was Dr. Mark Welch of Texas A&M. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Seed companies continue to innovate with new products to help farmers fight pests and diseases. Tom Nicoletti looks at one company's new technology. My guest today is Travis Kaufman. He is with Bear Crop Science. Caught up with him recently about what Bear is doing for corn farmers in Texas and other regions for the future. And what are some of the technology 
traits that you folks are working on? We're extremely excited about a new product that we're going to be bringing to the market in 2024, VT4 Pro with RNAi technology. And, and what that product is, it's our strongest above ground protection against those pests like corn earworm, western bean cutworm, all the corn borers, but it also has corn rootworm protection. It's got our newest RNAi technology for corn rootworm protection. So for those farmers that got that low to moderate corn rootworm pressure in the Texas environments and some above ground issues from an insect standpoint, this product's going to be a great fit for them. What about drought tolerance? Obviously, uh, farmers in Texas have to deal with uh, dry conditions, as you well know. We're constantly working on our breeding and, and pipeline in that regard from a drought standpoint, but this trait, VT4 Pro with RNAi technology, is solely focused on those insect traits and, and what farmers are dealing with there. And so there's going to be trials in Texas during 2023? We're excited to trial it in Texas in 2023. We're, we're hoping to spread it out as much as we can. Definitely in those pockets where corn rootworm pressure could be an issue for some farmers, and we'll see the results at the end of the season. From what you folks know about corn rootworm pressure on corn, certainly a devastating to a crop. Absolutely. It's a billion-dollar bug is, is what it's kind of framed up as because it causes that cost or that issue for growers around the whole U.S., every year. Corn rootworm is going to be that billion dollar bug. We're happy that we've got some strong products to give another tool in the toolbox for growers. Those growers need to be going out, scouting their fields, looking to see if they've got corn rootworm. That is Travis Kaufman with Bear Crop Science. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The weather can be quite unpredictable this time of year with nice warm temperatures one day and freezing cold the next. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno says that can present challenges for Texas gardeners. Well, here it is, autumn in Texas, and we've had parts of Texas that have already had their first freeze, and of course some that haven't yet, but it has gotten considerably cooler, which after a summer like we had is really a blessing. So when we look at planting right now, we're not doing a lot of planting in most areas. You know, you might plant some garlic in the garden or a few things like that, but we're wrapping up our fall planting season as far as trees go and turf goes and things like that. So what we're looking at is kind of a maintenance deal. And one thing you want to do is address those falling leaves. You want to avoid scalping turf grass at this time of year, especially summer grasses. And you don't want to leave those leaves that have fallen on there if they're really thick and deep and will prevent the movement of rain or irrigation to getting to the root system. And what you do with them is your choice. You like to keep them on the property if you can reuse them and recycle them. You want to avoid trying to throw them into the the landfill if you can. If your area has a composting process or an opportunity, then you want to take advantage of that. You want to consider storing products such as chemicals for treating insects and weeds in a place that will not freeze. That's very, very important. You like to put all your stuff up sharp and ready to go in the spring. And if you have those gas engines, you want to put stabilizer in there so that you won't have that issue of gumming up those carburetors next spring. And one thing we're beginning right now is pruning trees. Those of you especially that are in oak wilt areas of Texas, it's prime time because it's gotten cool enough that the beetles that spread this disease won't be active. So you have from now all the way in through February. And so if you have to do a big major job, you want to start taking bids from some of your really good arborists in the area and see what they would charge you and how they would handle that situation. And that freeze damage we had two years ago, it's probably time to go ahead and clean all of those trees up during this pruning season. Reporting from San Angelo for Texas Ag Today, this is John Begno. Pheasant numbers are down in Texas this year. 
If you plan on hunting them, there are a few locations where you're more likely to find them. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And chronic laminitis, or founder, in horses can be a frustrating condition to treat. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Chronic laminitis in horses can be a frustrating condition to treat. Dr. Bob Judd says it can be a real challenge. Horses with chronic laminitis, which is also called founder, usually have very thin soles and poor hoof integrity. Many of these horses will require some type of external application, such as a shoe or wooden clog to be comfortable while some can recover enough to go barefoot. In these foot sore horses, make sure you pick out the feet daily as hard mud or rocks packed in the feet can lead to pain and bruising of the sole and coffin bone. Many of these horses with chronic laminitis have equine metabolic syndrome, which causes them to be resistant to the effects of insulin. And it is important to have your veterinarian check for equine metabolic syndrome with a blood test. Also, older horses can develop Cushing's disease, that is correctly called PPID, and these horses also develop laminitis and founder. If either of these syndromes are involved, you will not be able to manage the horse without addressing these issues. Regardless of the capability of your farrier, laminitis cannot be correctly treated and managed without your veterinarian performing some initial blood testing and x-rays of the feet. The most important management consideration is the horse's ration, and the most common cause of laminitis is grazing on pasture grass that is high in carbohydrates. Some horses will wear a grazing muzzle to decrease the amount of grass that is eaten, but muzzles can be difficult to keep on. Most horses with laminitis will need to be in a dry lot initially, eating soaked low-starch hay to decrease carbohydrates and fed low-carbohydrate feeds. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Pheasant numbers are down in Texas this year. In today's wildlife report, Jessica Domo says there are a few locations where you're more likely to find them. The drought and its impacts on habitat across the South Plains and Panhandle will make pheasant hunting in Texas a bit challenging this year. But there are a few places where hunters are more likely to find pheasants. John McLaughlin Upland Game Bird Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department says this year the northern panhandle probably offers the best prospects, but hunters are probably going to have to walk a few extra miles to get into the birds. Habitat-wise, he says there are a few places that hunters may be more likely to find them. 
generally areas where there's the intersection of grasslands, say on the national grasslands or just area that's enrolled in those farm bill programs like CRP, but up against farmland and maybe where there's some taller grass cover or larger shrub cover or collection of mesquite trees somewhere along those edges, that's probably where you're going to find those birds. You know, they're going to be looking for some source of shelter during the winter months. And so they're probably going to be attracted to those brushy areas. Anywhere where you've got this sort of intersection of grassland and farmland that also has brush cover, you know, it's probably going to be good. Certainly areas around active playas, playas that have water or playas that had water in the last couple of years where there was decent grass growth around those depressions. That's also somewhere where we might find birds. Again, just looking for those taller grasses or those areas of shrub cover, denser shrub cover within those grasslands where you might bump into birds. That's probably a place you'd want to start targeting before you started moving out into some of that open ground. Pheasant hunting opens December 3rd for 37 counties in the South Plains and Panhandle. There are no regulation changes this year. Hunters are encouraged to check the outdoor annual for all of this year's regulations. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle futures market gained some ground once again on Friday, but cotton and grain markets were hit hard. We'll take a look at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We ended the week on a positive note in the cattle futures market, both live and feeder cattle ending higher on Friday. December live cattle was up 30 cents to end the week at 153.35. February up 45, 155.87, while April was up 32 cents. 159.57. Same story in the feeder cattle trade. January feeders up $1.37, 182.45. March feeder cattle up 97, 185.27, while April was up 82 cents, 188.62. Over to the cash markets now. Fed cattle here in the south selling for 155 this week. That is fully steady with last week's average. Up north, we saw sales as high as 157 on a live basis. Dress sales were at 250 to 252. Boxed beef prices mixed on Friday. Choice down 202 at 251.55. Select up 66 cents, 225.66. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Doug Bass from Cattlemen's Columbus is my guest. Doug, how did the sale go this week? 
had a really good sale, Mr. Larry. We ended up with 1,273 head of cattle. And I mean, just a really good set of calves yesterday. We'll walk the pins with us. Your thinner, lower yielding cows, 35 to 45 medium flesh cows, 43 to 59. Better, higher yielding cows, 60 to 78. Bulls, lower yielding thinner bulls bring 70 to 81. Better, higher yielding bulls, 90 to 102. Two to three weight steers bring 160 to 230. Heifers, 160 to 198. Three to four weight steers, 170 to 246. Heifers, 170 to 210. Three to four to five weight steers, 160 to 245. Heifers, 155 to 210. Five to six weight steers, 155 to 218. Heifers, 145 to $2. Six to seven weight steers, 150 to 193. Heifers, 125 to 157. Seven to eight weight steers, 125 to 164. Heifers, 115 to 160. And your 800 to 1,000 pound steers and bull yearns bring 110 to 145. And your heiferets bring a dollar to 135. As always, sounds like you had a good sale. Do you know of anything for next week? Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, they're calling. You know, we got uh, two more sales left this year, regular sales. And then after that, you know, we, we, we have that special sale coming up down in Columbus December the 29th. Okay. And we'll be taking consignments for about another week and a half. If anybody's got anything out there. We'll have between 900 and 1,000 females and around 50 hit a Good deal. Doug Bass, tell us how to get a hold of you there at Columbus. Yes, sir. Y'all can call me on my cell, 979-877-4454, or there at the office, 979-732-2622. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished mixed on Friday. The nearby December was down 70, 82.42. February hogs up a dollar thirty-two at ninety forty-two. Class three milk was mixed. Nearby December up eight cents twenty twenty-eight a hundred weight. January milk down seven at nineteen ninety-six a hundred. Technical factors putting pressure on the cotton market as we wrapped up the week on Friday. The market couldn't overcome a key resistance level, and that seemed to put pressure in the last couple of trading days of the week. However, for the week, March cotton did gain a little over three cents. We closed it out on Friday with March cotton down 165 points, 83.20. May cotton down 159, 82.56. New crop December down 82 points at 79.43. Weak demand continues to weigh on the grain markets. Every week we get the weekly export sales reports. They just look very bad. Not much going on on the export front for both corn and wheat. As a result, Friday we saw a big drop in the trade. December corn down 15 cents, 635. New crop September corn off 6.5 at 608.5. Double-digit losses in the wheat market, both hard and soft wheat, seeing a drop with December Kansas City wheat down 21 cents, 8.82 a bushel. December Chicago wheat down 21 and a half at 7.37 and a quarter. In the energy markets Friday, January natural gas down 49 cents, 6.24. January crude oil down a dollar four at 80.18 a barrel. The financial market slightly lower Friday afternoon. The Dow down 12 points, 34,382. The Nasdaq down 39 at 11,443. The S&P down 10, 4,066. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. 
Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.